Welcome, everybody, to the March 27th edition of Cascadia Views. We've got the whole crew with us here today, Dan and Chris. How are you guys doing? Doing all right, Dan. All right. Uh, I, I guess we're going to start off with what's been the biggest story of the last couple days, and that's been uh, President Biden's swing through Europe. He uh, spent quite a bit of time in Poland. He addressed NATO troops there. He also uh, had a summit with the Polish president, uh, as well as sat down for a, a bit of an emergency summit with the Minister of Foreign Affairs and the Minister of Defense of Ukraine while he was there. Uh, did anything stand out to you guys about the trip? Was it well executed? Was it well done? I think the reviews are that, you know, for the most part, it's been very well received. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, visiting with the troops, visiting with refugees, uh, you know, kind of shoring up uh, support for uh, prosecuting the, uh, I guess, more, at least assisting the Ukrainian war effort and making sure the sanctions regime is maintained to uh, keep the pressure on Russia to get them to eventually knock off what they are doing. Uh, I think Chris alluded to it in the uh, topic list that we were preparing. I uh, gave a speech that was very well received, except for a bit of a gaffe at the end where uh, he kind of said what you know the entire world is thinking, that <laughs> Putin should yeah. not be in power anymore, but... It's the yeah. sort of thing that the president can't really say. I'm going to put down my chip. I don't think that was a, a gaffe. I actually, I, I don't think there was anything wrong with that. I, I does not say that we're going to do anything specific to achieve regime change in Russia. But sure. since when has encouraging democratic governments and discouraging authoritarian autocrats not been U.S. policy? <laughs> yeah, there's nothing new about that to me. Uh, Russia's elections for the last three in a row have not been considered free and fair by the organization for the uh, OSCE, OSCE uh, who had election monitors in there. It, it's no longer a democratic country. They openly stuff ballot boxes. There's a wonderful video of them getting ready to stuff the ballot boxes and then letting a, a bag of balloons up to obstruct the security camera while they do it. Uh, I... I since when has the United States not been able to say that we do not consider, uh, you know, non-democratic governments legitimate? That, that's uh, been U.S. policy for half a century. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess I'd say you, you would, Trump wouldn't get dinged on it because he didn't get dinged for anything at all. So, like, I wouldn't use Trump as the counter example. But I, I guess if we were to go all the way back to, like, George W. Bush, then it's the sort of thing where if he said it, he might have gotten in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It, it 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 is being at least people are saying he shouldn't have said it. I don't know. Well, also, if your official line is, you know, what we're not going to, war to is an invasion yeah. of a sovereign country. That's what needs to be reversed. Yeah. And now you've just basically given Putin. I mean, not that he needed an excuse, but. You've given Putin the excuse to do what he was doing anyway, which is saying, this is about the U.S. trying to overturn Russian affairs. Right. I mean, maintaining maintaining the broader, you know, support for sanctions and the whole diplomatic coalition is about, I guess, maintaining a more, I guess, not 
I guess, a more minimalist set of goals, you know, just support for the Ukrainian government and their war effort and not a more maximalist, yeah, regime change objective. We so do have a goal like of increasing that. democracy in Russia, though. I mean, we openly well, yeah. fund democratic organizations in Russia. We want to encourage democracy in Russia. Well, democracy in Russia doesn't necessarily mean no Putin. I mean, he is popular. But, yeah, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. You know, the, the whole world does think it. The man's an asshole, and he shouldn't be in power. But, you know... Russians don't necessarily agree with that. But yeah, yeah I, I, I totally, I get where you're coming from. I really <laughs> just have a hard time of seeing this as a gap, unless your, your gap or your preconception of how the world order should be is, is fairly Trumpian in, in that sort of sense where, you know, it's all transactional and every yeah. government is just as legitimate as any other government. But that's not how I feel, and to the best of my knowledge, that has not been U.S. policy for quite a while. I mean, we put up with non-democratic countries, but I don't think we have ever not called for for more democracy and, and you know, getting rid of uh, autocratic rulers. Even if every action we were taking was actually counter to that, <laughs> at least rhetorically. Yeah, and right. I mean, even... In, in the other sense, like I said, for like 50 years, I don't think we've necessarily gone too hard to bat for, for any of these non-democratic you know, democratic assholes. Most of that kind of ended in the 50s, I feel like. There's a couple hangovers in the Middle East, but we haven't, you know, installed any coups in Central America since like 1957. I mean, I guess, I mean, the, the counterexamples, though, I mean, I'm trying to think of like the big grand... I mean, I, I think the parallel to this I'm thinking of would probably be like, you know, Reagan and you know the evil empire and stuff like that. Right. And even that, though, was pretty shocking, you know, back in the day. I mean, that was a major departure from mainstream, the way at least mainstream political elites talked about, you know, geopolitics. You know, Reagan was definitely outside of the mainstream in the way he talked about things. Now, again, it's kind of Biden being in touch with the common people and, you know, kind of talking the way ordinary people do, because, you know, that was definitely the way an ordinary American might talk about the Soviet Union. So, yeah, I, I think there's something to be said for that. And I think that's kind of what you're kind of touching on here, too, is that, you know, he's on to something. <laughs> you know, this is the or, the way, you know, a lot of ordinary Americans are going to think. And I think a lot of people around the world think that, you know, this is this is a guy who shouldn't be in power. And, you know, he's the guy who's willing to say it. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's something to be said for that, for sure. Let's compare this to to another case where we openly basically say that this person should not be in power is, is North Korea. We, we do not view the North Korean government as legitimate in any sense of the word. We have basically zero respect for them. Uh, and we openly call that that you know, regime, regime should fall and nobody is invading North Korea to make it happen. Our opinions do not necessarily equal our actions. And 
even if they did, and I, I wouldn't be that upset about it in this case. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I I was first informed that this was even a thing because Twitter decided to let me know that uh, Brett Hume from Fox News tweeted about it. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, yeah, there's definitely that. Um, anything Biden does will be magnified. Yeah. By that whole media, but I mean. I'll take your counteroffer. I it would be a long speech, but I would actually be in favor of a U.S. president standing up and saying, "For God's sake, she can't remain in power. For God's sakes, Kim yeah. can't remain in power. For yeah. God's sakes, the entire Arab Gulf Arab states can't remain in power." <laughs> you know, it would go on for quite a while. Yeah, and, and there's yeah. just relatively benign non-democratic governments. I, I think by all accounts, Jordan is, is a fairly modern state with an absolute monarchy that, you know, is not democratic. And I'm not advocating that we go and topple the government uh, of Jordan uh, with fighter jets or anything. But if you ask me <laughs> as a U.S. government position, should Jordan be democratic? I would have no problem with the State Department looking at the camera and saying yes. And just walking away. That is totally fine to me. That is what America should stand for. Uh, democracy is basically non-negotiable. If your people don't have the right to choose their own government, then you are not a free country. I, I, I consider that a very basic level uh, of what the United States stands for. I don't see this as a gap, and and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely off base here, and I'm I'm open to that possibility. Mm -hmm. I'm open to the fact that I'm a fucking weirdo. It's happened before. It's gonna happen again. But I, I, I just I don't think you're wrong. I I I don't. I think you're on. I think you're on to something. I think there's definitely a case that you know this is kind of uh, yeah Biden in touch with uh, you know kind of ordinary people in a way that. Uh, a lot of the chattering classes are not. I think there's something to that. Uh, and I think uh, that a lot of uh, the media are definitely blowing this out of proportion. I think at least in terms of diplomacy, it probably was not the most graceful way of putting it. But you know, in terms of politics, I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's the way most people see things, mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, the other big news out of Poland is that um, it appears that the U.S. has agreed to provide uh, Kiev with anti-missile systems. Uh, they're being a little bit coy about it because Ukraine, literally just earlier this week, asked everybody to shut up about the arms deal. Um, <laughs> I, I think their exact phrasing was they wanted to be a, a bit more quiet about it. Uh, and they didn't want to see yeah. announcements in the newspapers so that Russia wouldn't necessarily know what they're about to get hit with. Uh, but as soon as this meeting is over, the Minister of Foreign Affairs makes an announcement that they have... Uh, here, let me specifically quote them here. Uh, they have agreed concrete steps to reduce the numbers of missiles falling on Ukrainian soil. Uh, and as I mentioned in the group, since they are not going to physically move the country of Ukraine out of missile range, it really can only mean that they're getting shit to shoot it down, right? Is there any other way to, to really read that? No, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aircraft, something. 
yeah, yeah. If if you're doing something concrete to stop missiles from hitting you, you're either moving or you're shooting the missiles down. So, we'll see. Russia has so far launched over 1,200 missiles at Ukraine over the course of this now month-long invasion. So, quite a bit. Uh, I guess we'll... We'll flip it around to D.C. where we had uh, more hearings for Katanji Brown-Jackson. Katanji? Am I pronouncing that right? I think it's Katanji Brown-Jackson, yeah. Katanji yeah. Brown-Jackson. Um, by all accounts, went really well? Yeah, uh, for normal people, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and we we now have Manchin on the record as a yes. Um, i believe that's just going to leave us waiting to hear from Sanima. Yeah, I think she's the only one who's not officially committed as far as I can tell. Let me see. Sanima Katanji Brown. See if there's any statement from her. Yeah, still no statement from her as far as I can tell. So um in theory, she may vote no, but that would be like literally the dumbest thing ever. So presumably, she will not. <laughs> Is there uh, any chance we're going to pick up a Republican vote here? Um, yeah, I think there's still a chance on probably uh, Collins and Murkowski, but that's probably about it. Yeah, I think those are the highest probability ones. And Murkowski got the changes uh, to Alaska law that basically ensures she's senator for life. So it, yeah. it does not matter what she votes on this. So we'll we'll see her yeah. conscience. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris, you you had some particular interest in uh, the Republican questioners at the hearing. If you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I guess just I mean this is not a new phenomenon, but they were just so egregiously, ridiculously dumb. <laughs> you know, talking about things that have no bearing to anything that's actually in her background or anything that's on the court's docket currently. But like, what do you consider the definition of a woman to be? <laughs> yeah, just the absolute grandstanding on this kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you think babies are racist? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh dear lord. And I guess the um I mean, I sort of remember an era when <laughs> the assumption was that if a president appoints someone to the Supreme Court and they're not a complete bozo, your whole party, the whole opposition party doesn't necessarily vote for them, but generally they don't get grilled too much. They get confirmed, and especially in a case like this where it's a, it's not a um, flip in direction for the court. It's basically just a substitution. You know? Mm, this yeah. isn't something you uh, go to the mat to die for, except apparently if you're the current batch of Republican senators, you do. 
do we know when the final confirmation vote is going to be? Uh, I think they're, I think they're going to be having the committee vote this week. I would assume. Yeah. So probably a floor vote. Um, I would expect shortly after that, like uh, if not this week, then the week after. I would assume. I heard April fourth. I don't know if that's confirmed. But. So then, yeah, next week it would probably be the end of it. So that would make sense if, in terms of a normal schedule. I think that would be about about how they did for Kavanaugh. And right. you know, Kavanaugh was as fast as they could given the circumstances. And there was all actually some discussion of um, the Republicans not showing up for the committee so that the committee couldn't officially vote. But <laughs> isn't there a quorum yeah. in that committee? Just fifty percent plus one. Yeah. Oh, right. but but is it split fifty-fifty? It's split fifty-fifty oh. because of the Senate rules. Yeah. Oh. And in theory, yeah, there's enough whack jobbery on the Judiciary Committee that they may do that, but they would, at this point, they're not going to let them, you know, hold it up. Yeah, you know, actually, remember, through. it doesn't need that committee hearing. That's not right. actually a requirement. They yeah. could just bring it to the floor. <laughs> they could just bring it to the floor. <laughs> I mean, it would be uh, more, you know, norm-busting and, you know, who knows, at the end of the day, we may not even get Collins and Murkowski's vote on this yet. I mean, I think we probably will, but we may not. But, yeah, yeah, this surprisingly partisan, considering, you know, there's really no objection to her. She's replacing another liberal justice, so it's not like there's the balance of the court at stake. There's a 6-3 Supreme Court now. It'll be 6-3 after it's done. And but, it's been confirmed by the full Senate for a federal judiciary position yeah. already. Literally uh, after after the hearings, uh, Ben Sass put out a letter saying, yep, she's qualified. She's perfectly fine to be on the court, but I'm not going to vote for her because I'm a partisan prick. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just great. There you go. Uh, that, that's the world we're in. I guess to stay in Congress, and since you mentioned him, Ben Sass's state, um, their, one of their congressmen, Representative Jeff Fortenberry, is oh, yeah. uh, finally resigning from Congress. Uh, he was convicted earlier this week uh, for a crime involving illegal campaign contributions, foreign donors, donating to straw donors that he was aware of the scheme for the entire time. Uh, he's been under pressure to resign, not just by Democrats, but by his own party for quite a while, pretty much since he was indicted. Um, and he managed to hold on even a few days after he was convicted before he finally tossed in the towel. Uh, he held the first congressional district. Uh, Nebraska has three, I believe, unless that changed yeah. in redistricting. Um, Going to be a Republican hold. Yeah, the first I think I think is the most Republican of the three yeah. districts, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, they're not going anywhere. It's the second is the one that swings. So kind of swings. 
For the last couple of cycles, we've nominated a justice Democrat, and it's not coming anywhere <laughs> close. But yeah, we might, we in the right circumstances, it can swing. So yeah, yeah. Is uh, is two really more more Republican than three? No, no, two two is the one that can swing. Or oh, I mean, is one more Republican than three? I believe so. Wow. Yeah. One's the uh, the suburban district around Omaha. Three is the okay, you know, rest of may, the state. Never mind then. Three must be the most Republican one. So okay. I might have had it backwards. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Nebraska's first is PVIR plus 11. Nebraska's third is R plus 30. Yes. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> uh, that's the most Republican one. I right. think we should run someone for that seat. <laughs> Nebraska <laughs> actually has the best, like, most natural congressional map I have ever seen. They got yeah. one district, which is Omaha, one district, which is Omaha suburb, and one uh, suburbs, and one district that's just the rest of the state. Yeah. I mean, it pretty much draws itself. You got you got an urban, you got suburban, and you got rural. You got all three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It helps that, you know, Nebraska is only one city of note, so it makes it kind of easy. And, and barely at that. Yeah. <laughs> Omaha. Yeah. Um, let's see here. There was one other congressional story. Oh, yeah. Chris, tell us about Mo Brooks. <laughs> yeah. I just, it, it's mostly layers of comedy, but also, like all comedy in this era, it's dark comedy. Um that Trump officially withdrew his uh, endorsement of him this week. And the stated reason was because he told everyone to move past the election. But, <laughs> of course, he'd been saying that now for a while. The real reason is because he was losing badly, and Trump did not want to be on the side that was about to lose the primary. So <laughs> on that side, it's just kind of farce, and it's like a, you know, an indication of, how little weight Trump's endorsement actually carries in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, that he basically just, you know, signed up with Brooks because Brooks was fawning over him and then dropped him <laughs> as soon as he thought that he was going to lose. <laughs> so that's the kind of loyalty you get from siding with Trump. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then the other thing that about it was, you know, how Brooks immediately came out and started talking about how Trump had pressured him, you know, even after January 6th, had pressured him mm-hmm. to rescind, <laughs> the, rescind the election and hold a new election, which, of course, is probably something that Trump did do and is totally egregious. But my kind of take on that, my, my initial response to that story was, you accepted his endorsement until he unendorsed you. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like clearly this wasn't that upsetting to you wasn't a deal breaker <laughs> mm-hmm. which just you know speaks to me of the absolute rot in the Republican party right now it's yeah it's kind of weird kind of weird to think about but you remember those like lectures you got in history class uh, about the time period where the Ottoman Empire was described as the sick man of Europe. Uh, they, you know, were a great power, kind of crumbling, but still had to be propped up because the system at the time basically demanded it. Uh, I, I feel 
very similar about the Republican Party in, in today's America. It's obviously non-functional. It does not work. And yet it's absolutely required by the mechanisms of state around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't really know how you go about solving that problem. You have to either fix the party, because clearly there's going to be a right-wing party. I'm, I'm not of right. a mind that right-wing opinions don't exist. And as I just mentioned, how we should be striving for democracy. People with opinions different than mine deserve to have a say in their government. Uh, but the Republican Party, as it currently exists, does not uh, function as a part of democratic society. Right, right. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. The Republican Party, as it currently exists, doesn't believe the statement you just made. Yeah. <laughs> and to have that be the, you know, all but officially stated position of one of the two major parties in the system is, really kind of flabbergasting it's fucking bonkers is what it is uh well i guess we'll stick in dc where we have uh i suppose a couple stories at least about the court um the first one doesn't even involve the court really but the wife of a justice clarence thomas now freshly out of hospital uh his wife has been actively involved in right-wing politics for quite a long time, um, occasionally uh, involved in issues that actually come up before the court, which has caused some questions before. Uh, now, recently, it's come out that she's very much part of the 1-6 uh, collective, I guess. Uh, she's described in text the election is being stolen and a heist and encouraged people to storm the Capitol. She may even have been there at one point I was reading. Uh, I don't think she actually entered the building, but she was at the rally. And all this is causing some questions, specifically as it relates to the fact that Justice Thomas was the only justice who sought to give Trump really any cover on any of this. Uh, the only justice who sought to allow him to keep records hidden from Congress, uh, the only justice who's even thrown the smallest bit of a bone to those, you know, the election was stolen, petitioners, just starts looking pretty sleazy. Yeah. Dan, you're our resident yeah. legal ep- expert, so I wanted to figure I mean, out how you feel about that. We need you Not- to quantify sleazy for us. Sleazy, yeah. but I mean, dangerous. Uh, I mean, the unfortunate thing is, I mean, it's kind of come up a lot, but this is the sort of thing where on any other court, the expectation would be that the judge would be uh, asked to re- recuse himself and stay a million miles away from any kind of legal proceeding involving, you know, involving the matters at hand and unfortunately on the Supreme Court the justice himself gets to decide whether or not he's going to do that and Clarence Thomas has basically decided no I'm just going to be involved in everything that comes up I'm going to decide and I'm going to be issuing opinions and making decisions on any case that comes up involving January 6th and these matters that, you know, his wife is 
in up to her neck. So yeah, it's it's very frightening that he's weighing in on this because <sighs> are we supposed to assume that he doesn't have opinions like about this as well? Is that what we're supposed to assume? <laughs> but in terms of the you know the judicial ethics or any kind of uh, regulatory responsibility, you know he or any kind of uh, oversight or responsibility or anything like that. I mean, there's there's no one for whom he is effectively responsible. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, noise this week. People you know making noise about what kind of accountability or <laughs> should he you know what consequences should there be in people saying, well, are they going to, might they call him in for hearings or uh, have him be impeached or something like that? <laughs> it, it's the same kind of thing that you, you had when Trump was impeached as well. I mean, except it's even crazier because you're not going to get anywhere near as many votes as you had to impeach Trump to impeach Clarence Thomas. You know, are you insane? You know, it's <laughs> yeah. not going to happen. You, know, yeah. you wouldn't get, you wouldn't even get Susan Collins to do it. No, not a chance in hell. So that's kind of where we're at with that. And I think it's also an example of the kind of asymmetrical norms erosion, because in the hearings just this past week, Judge Jackson said that she would recuse herself from an upcoming case involving Harvard because mm. there could be some, you know some question about whether or not she would be impartial in it. She advises some sort of Harvard body, if I remember right. Correct? Right. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So <laughs> you have one side kind of playing by the rules and the other just not giving a fuck about them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, has there been anything coming out of the court that we should be taking notice of? Because that's the other thing I was curious about. Yeah, and we were we were talking about this a little bit in the uh, you know topic list as well. There were a few kind of eye popping rulings this week. Um, I think this week and maybe in the week before as well. Uh, Chris mentioned uh, there was a ruling on the shadow docket uh, overturning the uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court's decision to uh, basically uh, settle on one redistricting uh, dispute between the governor and the legislature. And I'm trying to, I, I didn't see the exact opinion, but I think they ultimately, was it, was it on uh Civil Rights Act grounds or something like that. Basically, they uh, turned it completely on its head. Yeah. And, yeah, just disgusting reasoning that they've gone back and... Uh, they said, hey, your map is racial in. You have to have a good reason for your map to racial. Oh, my goodness. It's basically what it boiled down to. Absolutely disgusting. Yeah. So... Yeah, now they're they're stepping in and uh, tramping on what was basically decided on, as far as I can tell, state 
constitutional grounds, um, a decision by the state Supreme Court to uh, settle a state legislate, uh, legislative redistricting dispute. Uh, so that's back up in the air in Wisconsin. And this was just after they had made a more or less opposite decision in the uh, federal uh, redistricting in Alabama. So the court is more or less playing by Calvin Ball rules in terms of uh, <laughs> what counts and what doesn't uh, for uh, redistricting and the Civil Rights Act. Oh, it's going to be fun. Oh, uh, yeah. This is this is your court on uh, basically Samuel Alito in the uh, driver's seat, more or less. Although, uh, unsigned opinion, so we don't know who, you know, was really issuing things. Because it was on the shadow docket. We don't even know. Which is something they've been doing more and more. Yeah. Uh, the other, the other that uh, was actually this was just this week. Um, this was a six to three decision. It was not on the shadow docket. Uh, they uh, overturned. This was a good decision, fortunately, but there was a shocking three-person dissent by uh, Justices Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch uh, in a, a uh, case. A lower court had sided with a uh, group of. Navy SEALs that were uh, resisting uh, Biden's order that all uh, military personnel be vaccinated against COVID-19. And this was like almost the purest expression of, you know, the authority of the president that you can get to basically direct He's the commander-in-chief. He gets to run the army as he sees fit. Exactly. So I guess the question was really, is the president the commander-in-chief? And there was a lower court that had found some hemming and hawing to decide, well, maybe he's not. And (laughs) the Supreme Court, six justices, decided, well, yes, the president is the commander-in-chief. However, Justice Thomas, Justice <laughs> Justice Alito, and Justice Gorsuch think maybe he's not. So, <laughs> again, frightening, frightening days at the Supreme Court. I just with... want to point out, too, that this wasn't even 6-3, they have to get the vaccine. It was 6-3... The president is not required to send them to, like, certain billets while they're challenging it. Yeah. So it's it's even narrower than than I think, like, you imply for a preliminary ruling. I cannot believe three justices voted against that. Yeah. Like, you— Absolutely bonkers. It is—joining the military is one of the few— in fact, I think the only case where the Supreme Court has specifically said your constitutional rights are restricted. 
There are restrictions on your political speech when you're a member of the military. You're not allowed to appear as a member of the military in campaign endorsements. There's all sorts of requirements. You're not allowed to just quit your job. You can go to jail for that. There are restrictions on your freedom when you join the military by virtue of what you were signing up to do. And we tried to make it a pretty fair deal. If you serve for 20 years, you get retirement pay for the rest of your life. You get your health care taken care of for the rest of your life. Veterans enjoy privileged positions in terms of hiring and U.S. government positions. Uh, they get a holiday. You know, most places around us will give veterans discounts. Like, we try and make up for it. But it's because, fundamentally, you, you are required to be subservient to somebody when you sign up. And now, now there are three justices in the court who were saying, no, actually, you don't have to listen to what people tell you to do in the military. Nope. It, you, you don't have to listen to what the president says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking boggles my mind. Oh. All right. Is there anything going on up in Washington, Dan? Oh, gosh. Oh, Big developments this week. Um, you know, we talked about the legislature wrapping up last week. Uh, I can't think of any other major developments in the last five days or so. Um, I think the only thing, it's not in Washington, but I think we missed last week talking about uh Don Young dying, which uh, was oh. kind of a major shockwave in the Cascadia adjacent. Um, we are, it turns out there's uh, just a week left until the deadline for uh, the replacement election. And let's see here. I don't think any major players have actually filed to run yet. I think they're all kind of playing wait and see. Let's see here. They also may honestly just be waiting for the November election. Yeah, that's that could very well be, or that could very well be as well. Um, but you know, they may... Hmm. I heard Halcrow was thinking of jumping in. Yeah, but I mean, he's kind of a gadfly at this point. And kind Did of they? Persona. Colorado among Republicans. So, yeah, I don't expect he'd be a major player. I mean, he's definitely a big name, but he I would be like, very surprised. Wasn't it like 12% when he ran as an independent for governor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the last big race he did was when he ran for mayor of Anchorage, and he came fairly close to making the runoff. And that would have been interesting if he did, but that was about you know eight years ago now, um, and he's he's way too liberal to you know end up being I think a contender for a statewide race. I don't I don't know if he'd I, I I'd be surprised to see him in the in contention I, like seriously. Maybe I'm I'm just kind of crazy, but I feel like there has to be some sort of cross party candidate. Such as that, maybe not exactly that. Like, or for guess, Democrats to have any hope in that election. Al Gross is uh, thinking of running as an independent, I gather. Okay. Again, so he might be in the mix. Um, I guess the name I've heard of thinking 
Trump running on the Republican side, which would probably be kind of a lock, would be uh, Tara Sweeney, who uh, was uh, administration official in the Trump admin. Uh, was yeah, I think I think she was at Interior, uh, but yeah, that's kind of the one that comes to mind. Although there's also a bunch of leggies who are considering it. I, I see Palin was on Fox News uh, talking about mm-hmm. running. Yep. Yep. Also a possibility. And Loaded her what? candidacy with, and I'm quote, quoting, no more of this vanilla milk toast, namby pamby, wussy pussy stuff that's been going on. <laughs> <laughs> what I, the main thing I've heard about that is, you know, it could, there are so many worse options in Alaska politics. <laughs> these days so many worse options <laughs> it's uh, kind of shocking <laughs> you'd be surprised how much worse you can do than Sarah Palin <laughs> impressive oh oh you have no idea <laughs> oh man so I, I just have a quick question here. Nick Begich, is he related to the other Begiches in Alaskan yes. politics? Yes, he is. I thought they were Democrats. Mostly they are. But, he, he, uh, he's he the Republican? Not. Okay. Yeah. Oh. They've got a whole clan up there. How come I never saw any of them in Juneau? Is that like a Republican? Or, I mean, they're, a Anchorage an Anchorage base? They're, okay. they're totally Anchorage based. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, we'll certainly see how that goes. Uh, down here in Oregon, I haven't noticed anything uh, especially uh, big. Well, so since it's on the front page of both Seattle Times and the Oregonian, I might as well mention it. Uh, this morning, a driver, we're not super sure of the circumstances. Police haven't released anything about them aside from the fact that they were transported to the hospital in the ambulance. Uh, a driver struck a homeless camp in uh, Salem that was set up along the road. Four people are now dead. Um, it's something's going to have to be done. The the camps are just proliferating everywhere. They're in highway medians, which is incredibly dangerous. Uh, apparently, like a significant portion of the traffic fatalities in Portland last year, I believe, over half were uh, among homeless populations and it's because these camps are being set up right next to you know major highways major freeways it's just something needs to be done we're not getting the resources we need to out there and it's costing people their lives at this point so yeah just thought i'd mention that there is a human tragedy on display pretty much all around you at this point on the west coast and Really, nobody's doing anything about it. So, people are just continuing to die. Pleasant, I know. Chris, how about you? Anything up in the Northeast? Uh, my attention has been kind of scattered this week, so I, I don't really have any promising local stories, but I'll keep my eye on it. Okay. Yeah. I'm, uh, I mentioned to Dan next week, but I'm thinking a couple years about moving out to your neck of the woods. 
We were really? looking at uh, at houses in Buffalo and Rochester, upstate New York. There. Okay, yeah, that's the area my wife is from. Yeah, yeah. So maybe uh, if we do, definitely want to get together and have a good time. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that's about it for for this week. I suppose. Hey, we went almost the full hour. I'm proud of us. Things are actually happening in the world, rather than, you know, the boring <laughs> Biden administration letting us all breathe. <laughs> History Thanks, has <Vlad>. restarted. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.